Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, well, as you can see, we've kind of just embraced the stuff that we got last weekend from Teresa Dedman. And so every week you're going to see us uh, with a creative expression of the arts during worship. And so I'm, what I'm asking is for, you know, we, it doesn't, not, we're not asking people to paint because they're expert painters. If you were here for the weekend, we had a lady that painted her first piece of art ever and totally rocked the house last week with a couple. Um, is that couple here this weekend? I don't see them, but amen. They were just totally rocked. And so what I'm asking is for three people to volunteer to paint next week. So raise your hand if you're willing to volunteer. Okay, Kim's going to volunteer. The kids will paint as well, but I'm looking for three adults. Oh, Chris, number two. So Kim, Chris, I need one more. Linda, are you going to paint, or does somebody else want to paint? Who? Anybody else? All right, Lisa will paint again. So three of you, and they're to meet here at what time? 9.30. So everybody can be here at 9.30 to paint. Yes? Okay. And then we need three people that will write for their paintings. So raise your hand if you're willing to write for their paintings. Three people. Okay. Michael? Who else? Who? Jay will? We need a third person. Oh, sorry. Jay, take Jay off. He won't be here next week. Who else will write? Pam? Will you write? Okay. Okay, tell me your name. Abby will write. Okay, so who do I have to write so far? Michael and Abby, so I need one more. One more person to write. No, Jay's not here next week. One more person to write. I'm not afraid of awkward silence, by the way, you guys. I'll just sit. Not, I'm not, a, not at all anxious here. Amy, want to do it again? Does anybody else before we say Amy again? Okay. All right, so... Um, all right, so if you could just quickly um, make sure that Linda has your email before we leave. Maybe she can pass that around. That would be great. And then the kids, just come on back because we'll be painting again. And then after they paint, they're welcome to go down. We've released the kids downstairs. There's a lesson that we have prepared, so you're welcome to stay or go down, whatever you'd like to do. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, let's open our Bibles here for a second. We're going to receive an offering. Um, I want to... You know, I am on assignment. <laughs> um, I'm on assignment on a lot of different assignments. <laughs> yeah, but there's one particular assignment that I, I am on, and it is the assignment to eradicate poverty from your life. Did you know that? That, that Jesus became poverty? Did you know that poverty is a curse? And, you know, when we think of poverty, sometimes we just think of, like, you know, the ghetto or something. I mean, I, used, I started my ministry on the south side of Chicago, so, I mean, I know what the hood actually looks like. I know what it looks like when you've got, you know, police cameras on every corner, at flashing blue lights in metal boxes, and they've got to put them in metal boxes because people will shoot them. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's the hood. Like, you can't even board up houses because they just, they, they, as fast as you board them up, they just take it back down. Right? I mean, so that's, when we think of poverty, I mean, that's a great picture of poverty. Okay? That's a great picture of poverty. But poverty is a, it's a sneaky little sucker. You know what I mean? It's a sneaky little sucker. And it's 
rooted, by the way, in fear. All right? The root of poverty is, is a spirit of fear. Right? And it manifests in all kinds of different ways. Right? But it, it, it ultimately, it means a lack of some kind. Right? A lack of some kind. You can, you can be, you can have poverty in your relationships. You can have poverty in, obviously in your finances, but you can have poverty in the way that you relate to yourself. Right? You, so, so in its, in its, uh, just purest form, number one, it's a spirit. Did you know that? That it's the nature of the enemy. The father's nature is nothing missing, nothing broken. It's the nature of shalom. It's wholeness. It's integrity. And it's complete. It's a completeness. Does that mean, does that mean, does that make sense? And so when we read the Bible, all throughout the Bible, there's testimony after testimony after testimony, story after story, where God was a supernatural provider. And not only a supernatural provider, but an enemy of poverty. And everywhere he saw it, he was against it. Matter of fact, with the Israelites, when he made a covenant with them, in Deuteronomy 28, and he outlined the blessings and the curses. See, he, he gave Israel the law and a, and a system of being and a temple and all of the things that he gave them because he had called those people to himself. And he wanted that nation to be different than every other nation on the planet. See, holiness and all of the, 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 the you know, thou shalt nots and all that stuff really is an expression of love. And it was an expression of what a, how a society should function, right? And it also was a system so that God could bless. <laughs> Jesus hadn't come yet. And so the blessing came even back in those days through obedience. Through obedience. And he, was, he said, if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to do what he has commanded to, for you to do, then all of these blessings shall come upon you. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 28, right? And if you go through those blessings and those cursings, it's almost like a checklist of what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be anointed with the presence of God, which is what the blessing is? The blessing is an anointing. And the anointing, by the way, is the presence of God. And what does someone who has the presence of God on their life, what does that look like? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and let's look at it. Verse 1, if you will, if you will, if it shall come to pass, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord God will set thee high above all the nations of the earth. Now, this nation, by the way, is another way of saying family, because the Israelites were a family. Did you know that? They were a group of common descendants. Here's what he says. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now, in the Old Testament, a lot of times we think of hearkening 
to God, meaning you're, you're obeying the letter of a bunch of commandments. But this really isn't what it said that you needed to do to be blessed. It's kind of what, what, what Jay was sharing. It was about hearing and obeying the voice of God. Let me read it to you again. And you shall, and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake you if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. In the Amplified it says, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. And then it just goes through it. Blessed will be in the city, blessed will be in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your beast, increase of your cattle, the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading trowel. Blessed shall be when you come in. Blessed will you and me go out. The Lord will call your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come against you one way. They'll flee before you seven. The Lord will command the blessing upon your storehouse and all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways and all of the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name and in the presence of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you and the Lord shall make you to have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body your livestock and your ground the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you and the Lord shall open to you the good treasury the heavens to give you rain and your land in the season in its season and bless all the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow and the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail and you shall be above only and not beneath if you heed to the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you to this, this day and are watchful to do them and you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left hand or to go after God's other gods to serve them but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God being watchful to do all of his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day then all of these curses shall come upon you and overtake you and then the curses are like five times as long as what the blessings were. And if you take time to read through them, they are not good. But the good news, when you read it from a new covenant perspective, is it shows you what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. It shows you what the cross accomplished on our behalf. Because Jesus perfectly hearkened to the voice of the Lord his God to do all of his commandments. He perfectly fulfilled the law. Amen. He became a curse, right, that the blessing that was upon Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that might come upon our house, might come upon us. So our receiving these blessings in Deuteronomy are ultimately, number one, tied to Jesus' obedience. You need to recognize that because we're not earning the blessing in the new covenant. You need to hear me. We're not earning the blessing in the new covenant. We're believing the blessing in the new covenant. We believe the blessing in the new covenant. We believe the blessing in the new covenant. So we believe that we are blessed. Why are we blessed? Because of Jesus. Right? Because of Jesus, we are blessed. Did you know that Jesus became sickness on the cross? Did you know that sickness is illegal in the life of a believer? And the moment we try to tie divine health to our performance, we've left grace. 
the moment that we try to, to tie the blessing to our performance, we've left grace. The new covenant is all about the grace of God. It's all about us receiving the kingdom, us receiving the blessing, not on our own merit, but through Jesus' merit. Righteousness is all about standing inside of the Father and recognizing what belongs to you. Righteousness is about standing in the Father because you were placed inside of Christ who dwells inside of Daddy when you became a new creature. You were placed into heaven, which is in Christ. And so you were placed into a position. You were placed into Christ. He was placed into Daddy. And righteousness is recognizing what belongs to you in Christ, in Daddy. What belongs to you? We've left the, the, the ground of, of performance-based living. We do not live in the realm of performance. We live in the realm of faith. We do not live in the realm of receiving based on our performance. We, we live in the realm of receiving based on our faith. We believe, therefore we experience, rather than we obey, therefore we experience. Now this is upside down, and it totally is offensive to a worker's mindset that feels that we earn something from God. We earn nothing from God. We worship God. We do not earn the blessing. We stand in the blessing. And we resist anything that tries to come and say that we are not blessed. Anything that comes to tell you that you are less than rich is a lie. Anything that comes to tell you you are less than healed is a lie. No matter how real it looks, no matter how real it feels. And when you resist it, when you resist it with the truth, it always bows. It always bows. Every single time. The word of God is true. Whether your current circumstances are aligned with it or not, it doesn't change its validity. It changes how much you believe it. Righteousness is standing in Christ knowing what belongs to you. And when you know what belongs to you, you don't receive what doesn't belong to you. There's a lot of things that don't belong to us. There's a lot of things. Matter of fact, everything that's listed here in Deuteronomy 28 that's a curse does not belong to us. It does not belong to us. It does, now, now it might be in your life. Because you've allowed it. 
but it still doesn't belong to you. You can kick it out. You can change your mind. You can repent. And you can kick it out. You can say, I'm not in agreement with that. You can choose what you agree with and what you don't agree with. And you can choose it minute by minute. You can change your mind right now. Oh, guess what? You can change it again right now. Guess what? You can change it again right now. You can change it again right now. And what you thought yesterday doesn't mean you have to think it right this second. You can change it again right now. You know, as God has been speaking to me about how uh, Prayer Mountain is about to explode and how we are on the verge of increase and how there are going to be we, – we, we, I'm already planning for a second service. We're not putting any more chairs in here than are in here right now because it's going to remain intimate. But we are going to expand into multiple services. How God's been speaking to me about this. One of the things he's been speaking to me about is about the, the, the uh, wealth of everybody sitting in this chair. That these are not just, right now the number's 200 families, but they're not just any old 200 families. They're blessed families. They're families that aren't walking in any kind of poverty. They're families that are not walking in any kind of sickness. They're families that are not walking in any kind of strife. They're families that are not walking in any kind of, they don't owe anyone anything except love. They're people that are whole. They're people that understand their boundaries. They're people that understand how to communicate with one another. They're people how to understand how to resolve conflicts. They are healthy, whole people in every single area of their life. They aren't, let me tell you what the, what the primary thing God's been speaking to me about, though. They are families that are not governed by fear. In any place in their life. Fear has absolutely no place in their life. Matter of fact, I've been praying for your sniffers. You know what your sniffers are? You know dogs and horses and animals can smell fear? And I've been praying that you'd get an upgrade in your sniffer so that you would smell fear. You would discern fear. If it comes to you in any way, shape, or form, you'd sniff that sucker out. And you'd see it for what it is. Because I'll tell you what, it comes not straight up as fear. It comes in a lot of different forms. It, it puts on a lot of different costumes. A lot of different costumes. And then it comes and it presents itself to you. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out every trace of fear. Now, finances, the Word of God says where your money is, that is where your heart is also. So money is one of the great revealers in our life. It's one of the greatest revealers in our lives of where, how, where's our, where is there fear in our relationship with money? Matter of fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus goes as strong to say that you cannot worship God and money at the same time. And it presents a God around money named Mammon. And Mammon has a voice, the voice of fear. And You know, I learned from Bill Winston 
that there's only one way into the promised land. There's only one way into your destiny. There's one way. Only one way. And it's by faith. One way. There's one way. There's one way. There are giants standing before every single one of us. The promised land, by the way, is just that place of righteousness that you stand in, Papa, where you know what belongs to you. Our promised land is wholeness. And our promised land is not just wholeness for ourselves, but it's a type of wholeness. It's a tree where other people come and eat from your wholeness. It's a reproductive wholeness. That's our promised land. Reproductive wholeness. And there's only one way into that place. There's only one way. It's by faith. And by faith I mean it's by repentance. It's by changing what you believe and believing the right thing and then acting on the right beliefs. It's a way of being. So, everyone in here is on a journey. Everyone in here is on a journey, yes? A journey of believing the right stuff. Right? Has anyone arrived? No. We're on a journey. And in this journey, part of the journey is called the wilderness. Did you know that the journey into wholeness is a journey through the wilderness? I'm just saying. It's a journey through the wilderness into the manifestation of the fullness of the stature of Christ in each one of our lives. And in the wilderness, what you don't believe correctly is exposed. Because what you don't know, you can't repent of. Did you know that you can't repent of something that you don't know what the problem is? You know, a lot of times we come up here and say, oh, Lord, I just repent of this. You didn't repent. You feel bad about it. Feeling bad about something and repentance are totally two different things. You can hate. I mean, trust me, I know. I was in deep bondage and I hated it. But I didn't repent. I wanted to repent. I regretted it. I, I mean, if, if that, but that was never repentance. Repentance didn't happen until I replaced what was true what was what was not true with what was true and the wilderness is about repentance it's about changing what we believe is true and the wilderness exposes it the wilderness exposes it and you know what it exposes fear It exposes whether you believe who God says you are or you don't. It, be, it exposes your weaknesses. It exposes the, your relational junk. 
It exposes your own opinion of yourself. It exposes where you are not lovely (laughs) and where you are not loving. It exposes all of that stuff. And sometimes we don't like the exposure. The light exposes it, and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Matter of fact, it takes courage. It takes courage. That's why, why God told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Because they were going, they weren't going, in, they were possessing the promised land. They were taking what God had spoken and possessing it. And that's a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight to possess eternal life. Fight the good fight and lay hold of eternal life. Because, but, but, but it's a fight in what we believe. You know, true success in life is hearing God and doing what he says. When we stand before the Lord and we give an account of what faithfulness looks like, it's going to be, did you hear me and do what I said? But when we get into that place where wrong beliefs are being exposed, And that fight begins to happen. You've got to decide what is true and what is false. You've got to get it up on the table and you've got to be willing to look at it. What is true and what is false? You know what I'm saying? How many of you are in a place right now where you're having to decide what is true and what is false? Right? It's called discernment. Amen? You know, I come with a position before the Lord that I, by default, do not trust my heart. You know, every, do you know that no man can judge their own motives? Did you know that? Only the Lord, only the Lord knows the intents of our hearts. Now, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when you put the word of God, it'll begin to allow the Holy Spirit to discern the intents of your heart. But the Holy Spirit is the discerner. But the word of God is the weapon. So whenever you're starting to discern in the middle of a battle what is true and what is false, you always begin with the word. You take the word out and you begin to to say, Lord, discern my heart in light of your word. Shine your light into this situation. With the light of your word. What is your word saying about this situation? What do you say 
And I specifically about my heart. What are you specifically even doing in my heart? And then the other thing you do when you're discerning a situation, you say, Father, reveal fear. Where is the fear in this situation? Show me where the fear is. Show me what I'm afraid of. And you begin to just get naked in front of the Lord. Figuratively speaking, with your heart. You begin to let him sift through your heart. Sift through there. Sift through there. Father, root up. Root up lies. Root up the things, Father, that that you're trying to expose in this situation. See, I know that the financial situation of this church is designed to expose. I know that the fact that our operating budget is a, is a walk of faith every single week. That every single week we have to believe God. Every single week we're completely dependent on God. Every single week. And I know that's by design. Now my question is, do you have to do the same? Do you have to believe God every single week? Is your faith tested every single week by your budget? Probably so, right? Now, do you know that I don't know a wealthy person, have never met a wealthy person that has not had to walk through that season? Never. Some people faint, never make it out. Some people never make it out of that season because the pressure is intense, isn't it? It's an intense season when you have to believe God. It's an intense season when you have to become totally dependent upon God. Well, I'm going to stretch you even further. Because the the fact that this budget for the church is supposed to be a walk of faith is not just my walk of faith. It's supposed to be our walk of faith. And I, I believe that every single person in this place has a heart to give. I believe that you are generous by nature. I believe that if it was up to you and you had it, you'd raise your hand and say, I would like to finance the entire operating budget of the church. I believe that, that, would, that, that that's the kind of people that are in this place. I believe that with all my heart. So what it tells me is that God is doing a work in finances corporately in this body. Corporately, he is working on eradicating as part. Remember how many of you know, I said in June, from now through the end of the year, we are coming after the strongholds in our life. I've declared it. I put it out there for everything. I put it out there for the enemy to hear the things that we've been going around the mountain with, that we have been for years for some of us. Same issues, same issues, same issues, same issues, same issues for a year. And, you know, you don't just decide one day to be different. If you decided one day to be different, you would have already been different. There is a a corporate repentance that is going to have to take place in this house. That's why God said bring Nate Blouse in. 
That's why he said, bring your inner healing mender under Nate Blouse, because what happens in those sessions with Nate is true repentance. You get to the root of the issue, and God comes in and shows you the truth, and you believe something new. And you come out, and you're different. But some of you, because of finances, haven't even been able to go to Nate. Or some of you have exalted finances over Nate. Some of you don't even think you need Nate. So here we go. How quickly we go in is not up to me. It's up to all of us. Because I'm not going by myself. I have no problem using my faith. What do you think has got us this far? Am I, am I concerned? Nope. Do I see the end from the beginning? Yep. And what is God showing me right now? 200 amazing whole families. Amazing people. Powerful people. Powerful people. That are walking in their destiny. Money magnets. That's what I see. Money magnets. I see an anointing on your life that is drawing money to you in all spheres of society. You're being called as experts into some of the darkest places. And you're making a difference. And you're not living according to your paycheck because what God calls you to do may not pay great. But you've learned to believe. And you've learned to obey when the circumstances aren't favorable. Amen? All I really am asking this body to do is hear and obey. Just hear and obey what God says to do. In the natural, it's about $100. If we do an average of 50 people, 50 people in service, it's about an average, like I did this weekend, you know, I told people what it was. It's about an average of $100 a week for you to bring as a tithe and an offering. And if we did that, we'd be meeting the operating budget. But we don't do that. So I have to think, in my prayer time, Father, why is that not happening? Why is that not happening? Is there something we're supposed to do? Is there something that we're supposed to do different? And I'll tell you, I have prayed immensely about it. And God has not said cut the budget. He said believe. So my question is, what are you going to do to believe? For you to bring in a $100 bill every Sunday. You can't continue with the idea that it's not your problem. Have you been called here? Yeah. Are you going to finance the kingdom? Is that what you're called to do? Are you called to finance the kingdom? Are you called to live in the wealthy place? Are you called to make a difference? Are you called to steward large amounts of money? Are you sure? Are you sure you're called to be wealthy? I'm asking. If you're not sure that you're called to be wealthy then this isn't the church for you. Until you can get your mind renewed to that fact. You are not called to be middle class. 
If you're a part of this church, you are called to make a difference. And it makes money to make a difference. And it takes more than you need to make a difference. It takes, it takes a surplus to make a difference. And if that stronghold in your life is one of the ones that needs to be defeated, if there's a poverty mindset in your life, and let me just say this, feeling comfortable is a stronghold. Meeting your budget is not the goal. It's the first dang step. Do you know what a budget does? Do you know what it does? It assigns authority to money. It It tells money what to do. That's what a budget does. It just simply tells the money, tells the resource what to do. It's a servant. Money is a servant. We are not the servant of money. Money is a servant, and we we tell it what to do and where to go. You decide right now. I decide right now what your budget is. And let me tell you, that number is important. Because you're going to have to believe for it. And if you don't have to believe for it, it's not God's budget. Now, one of the things that I haven't done that I have to repent of is I've got a budget for saving. So actually, our budget needs to be more. I've allowed you to sink down into this complacency. Where I'm not asking anything from you. I'm not putting a demand on your faith. I'm telling you, I am so sick of poverty mentalities. I'm so sick of financial struggles in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, not everybody's on an even playing field here. There are people, broken people in this, in this house. There are people that they couldn't bring their $100. God's doing something to them right now. They need a place to heal. But there are people in this house that can do way more than that. It might be a sacrifice, but God has matured you. Father, what is it that you're saying? He's saying believe. Everybody in this house has got to come up to a different level of belief. And if you're not giving, you're not even in the game. If giving isn't in your budget, your budget's jacked up. And I feel like some of us have put too a low of a value on ourselves. Like do an actual budget that is of God. Don't base it on your paycheck. Don't do your budget on your paycheck. Do your budget on what God says. promised land is an 11-day journey. This isn't 50 years. 
circumstances isn't for years. How long it takes isn't up to God. It's up to us. It's up to how willing we are to believe and confront fear. You know, when I, 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 when I talk with people that are dealing with finances, fear is almost always the spirit behind the discussion. Because faith does the impossible. But everyone, if you're going to do the impossible, you have to have it settled in your mind that lack is not only illegal, but that it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Jesus proved it over and over again. Elisha, with the widow woman, proved it over and over and over again. It's an illusion. You know, when I pray about the finances and this budget, you know what God tells me? Every single time, every single time, it's in the house. It's in the house. Every single time, he says, same answer. Elisha asked the widow woman, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? This poor woman, she she didn't even have the last, I mean, it was her last meal. I mean, you think, Elijah, what are you, exploiting these people? Asking for their last stuff? What are you, self-centered? Asking for them to give out of their lack and out of their poverty. Asking this poor little, I mean, she's a widow. My goodness, wouldn't the religious people of our day have a heyday with that pastor? Asking those widows to give of their last little portion. But Elisha understood that when you sow into the anointing, it multiplies in your house. See, the kingdom operates at a completely different level than natural wisdom. In the kingdom, you give your last and you increase. Now listen, I'm not telling you to operate in presumption right now. And to give beyond where your capacity to receive is. I lived 10 years in a word of faith church. I sat 10 years under the message of hundredfold. Do you know how many thousands of dollars I have given? Do you know how many twenties of thousands of dollars I have given? Do you know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that I have given? Some under compulsion. Believing like I'm going to get in trouble if I didn't give. I had a season where I sat and didn't give for almost six months because it took more faith not to give than it did to give. The spirit of fear was trying to get me to give. Meaning I was afraid if I didn't give, I wouldn't be blessed. That's what I'm talking about, discerning the spirit of fear. 
Because if you give in fear, well, that's not the right spirit. No, everyone in this house is on a journey into wealth. Everyone. Every single person in here. And the arch enemy of wealth is fear. And I'm not saying that you don't feel fear. It's just the motivation of fear. And I'm talking about it's a discernment. It's discernment. So here's what I'm asking everybody to do. I'm not even going to be taking, I mean, we're going to take up an offering. I'm not trying to pull and push an offering today. I'm saying let's confront the issue. Let's confront the issue. You know, the last time, I'll say this. God has supernaturally provided for this ministry. Supernaturally provided. And he'll continue to do that, I have no doubt, because it's it's his ministry. It's his ministry. This is his house. This is his idea. This is his problem. Our problem is to hear and obey. But you've got to hear and obey in the absence of fear. You've got to hear and obey, and now what you do may make you afraid. There may be fear come after God's told you to do something. But that's different than being afraid. Being afraid to do something you feel God is telling you is different than just being afraid and not doing anything. Or being afraid and pulling back. I see debt-free families here. I see every person totally out of debt. Now, I don't want you just to amen it. I want you to see it too. I'm glad you're amening it. It means you're in agreement. And so be it, yes. But see it. That means you. That means you're out of debt. Totally, 100% out of debt. Owing no man anything but to love them. Do you know why you have debt? Because you're afraid. Did you know that the spirit of debt is driven by the spirit of fear? It's a fear that God won't provide. And so we go another way. The spirit of fear is underneath all financial problems. It's actually under all problems. And so I felt that going into the last part of this year, ultimately the strong man that we are going after is fear. It's fear that God won't do what God said he will do. What is the promise of God over the situations that you're facing? What is the promise of God? Well, why don't we believe that? We, I mean, just get in there. Get in your heart. Why do we not believe that? You, don't, you probably don't know the answer. Most of the time, I don't know the answer when I ask that question. When I say, why do I believe that? Or, or even say, what's the problem? Most of the time, I have no idea. I have no idea what the problem is. And I've learned through going into sessions with Nate, unless the Holy Spirit reveals to you what the problem is, you're probably not going to know what the problem is. 
And you can put all kinds of ideas around what the problem is, but ultimately the Holy Spirit has to tell us what the problem is. And so I think we need to ask the question, why do I continue to experience lack? What is my promised land? What, is, what does that promised land actually look like? I'm asking, and you may not know yet. You may not know. You may be in the journey. Some of us have been walking with God a long time, though. And some of us know enough about what we're called to do that we know what that promised land looks like. Some of us just can express desires in our hearts, which desires in our heart are glimpses into our promised land. The things that we want to do are in our desires in our heart are parts of our promised land. The other thing God said in June is that we are going to get into the promised land through the doorway of the fourth dimension. So the fourth dimension book, which hopefully you've purchased and hopefully you've been reading, is the key that unlocks the door. There's a dimension of living. There's a way of living that releases heaven on earth. You know, I'm thinking back to just some of the, the it, I'm going to speak about the area of finances, but I, I'm thinking back to, like, just the times that we have come into situations and circumstances, kind of like the widow woman. You know, where Bride and I have had to walk through things. And here's the thing. The enemy can't get us to agree with something that's not the will of God. Like when it was time to shut the building down and turn the electricity off, we couldn't get into agreement with that. I couldn't even imagine it. And I told the devil, you're stupid. I say, because I can't imagine that. And if I can't imagine it, then you can't take it from me. You can't take it from me because I can't imagine that. Now, here's the thing. We can imagine a lot of stuff. You know, I've had to deal with some, some, some health beliefs lately. You know, my mom died of pancreatic cancer. And, you know, I mean, you know, sickness is scary if you haven't renewed your mind. Sickness is scary. Running out and lack and them shutting the door and can't. I mean, I, you know that I can't. Inv- you know the only thing I can see is 200 healthy families. You know, that's the only thing I can see. I can't see anything else. I can't see anything else. I can't see anything about you except that you're whole. I cannot envision mess. I can only see increase. I have right in my bathroom, it stares at me right when I get up in the morning, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. All I see is increase over your life. That's the only thing I see. I'm not ever going to get in agreement with anything for you except increase. Ever, never. You take it to me, bring it to me, I will say, no, that is. I will not agree. 
I will not agree. If it's not increase, I will not agree. And every motivation that I have in the things that I make, in the decisions that I make, are for your increase. Increase. It is the kingdom. Increase. It is the kingdom. Increase. And I know that God is going to provide for this ministry while you grow. I believe that with every fiber of my being. He's rich. And he's going to provide for every need in your house. Every need in your house. Right now, how many of you have needs in your house? Like bills that are unpaid right now. Raise your hand if you have unpaid bills in your house. Look around. Look around right now. Unpaid bills in your house. Stand up right now. Stand up if you have unpaid bills in your house. Stand up right now. I command right now that spirit of lack to come off of you. I take authority right now over every one of those bills. And I speak to those bills. Come on, let's envision the bills right now. See it, set them out on your table, put them somewhere on your table in your house somewhere. Do you see them? Do you see those bills? Okay, I want you to repeat after me. Bill, I am not intimidated by you. Matter of fact, you're nothing for my daddy. My daddy's rich. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I laugh at you. <laughs> Who are you to intimidate the armies of the living God? Listen here, you giant. your tongue out and make it just just toot at it okay now holy spirit let me see what you think about this bill Father, I call in money. Money in the name of Jesus, I command you to get up on your feet. And I command you to walk into these houses right now in Jesus' name. You are a servant to the sons of God. And so I speak promotions. I speak bonuses. I speak unexpected checks. I speak unexpected unexpected blessings, Father. I speak right now increase over them. I speak streams of income. I speak assets. I declare that they are exactly who you say they are. And I thank you, Lord, that they see it even more. Whew. Thank you, Lord. All right. Now sit down. One of the things that I learned in navigating through lack with years of experience was that you only hear and do what he says. By the way, on the other side, when you get into abundance, same thing. You only hear and do what he says. 
You don't have to take on the responsibility of any of it. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to hear and to say, do what he says. And if you made a mistake or you, you, you know, sometimes we get in the situation where you think, well, all this is all my fault. I shouldn't. Have. Well, okay, well, that doesn't help. Because no matter where you are right now, God has a way out. God has a way out from where you are right this minute. So you just hear him. So if you've got, if you've got this much money, you've got this many bills and this much money, then you say, Papa, what do I do? And he tells you exactly what to do. And you just, just, that's called dependency. And then someday, when you have this much money and this many bills, Papa, what do I do? And then you do exactly what he says. Okay, that's true stewardship. Amen? Amen. So, know that the, my primary focus is believing for you. Because the church doesn't have a money problem. You just have to prosper. It's, it's, a, it's a people prospering problem. Do you see that? All right. So, Father, what can I believe for supernaturally to happen this week? Now, hopefully what he's showing you, because this is how he works with me, is he'll just give you a flash of something or an idea or a thought or something. Did you get that? Yeah? Did you know that that's all you need? That's all you need is just a picture of what God wants to do. Just a picture of what God wants to do. I mean, I remember driving down the path on my old tires and, and God just giving me a picture of my of four tires on my car. I wasn't even asking. He just wanted to give me four new tires because he knew I needed them. I said, oh, my gosh, I just got four new tires. Thanks, Daddy. Thanks, Daddy. So whatever you just flashed in your mind was just a present from Daddy. So you just say, thanks, Daddy. Thanks, Daddy. And you just receive it. If you go out to my car right now, it has four new tires. And they were bought with money that I didn't earn. They were bought with money that was given to me. I didn't earn those tires. They were a present. Yeah? All right. Well, we're going to take up an offering. We're going to close. I just really feel that we are in such a strategic season of going against the strong men in our life. I mean, whenever you're in this season, when you've said, yes, we're going into the, the promised land, yes, we're going against the strong men, yes, we are going forward, you just have to know that it's there's a battle. It's always a battle to renew your mind for that next level. So I'm praying for you. And... Uh, Believing God that every strong man in your life is completely being destroyed. Some of them I know. Some of them have nothing to do with finances. I don't know all of them. 
But if you share with me what that is, you, know, you, you can be assured that I will see you victorious. I do not see you the way that you are right now. And you can't afford to see that either. Amen? All right. Yeah, Tracy, you have a testimony? Yeah, one second. Yeah, so you just make out checks at Prayer Mountain. If you need envelopes, there's there. There's debit and credits. Just, you know, do whatever God says. Whatever. You, if, if we just all do that, we're going to get there. Did you know that? If we just all do what God says, we're going to get there. You know? There'll be some battles along the journey. There'll be some, some things that we have to overcome, but we're going to get there. Amen? Just victories. Go ahead, Tracy. You have to share? Yeah. Um, lo- oh, man, it's been over a year ago that a, there was a prophecy spoken over me that God was going to be changing my paradigm in the area of, fan- of finances. And he was going to come in like with a sledgehammer and break it. Some of you, I don't, some of you may have been in there, I don't know. But um, back in May or June, um, I was really mad at God because he had allowed my checking account to go into the negative balance. And I was mad. And I came in here and I was crying and I asked Lori to pray with me. And I knew the truth. I knew the promises. I knew I I knew I had victory, but I wasn't seeing it in my checking account. I was in the negative balance. I had money taken from me that should not have been. And uh I cried and I was mad and I went home afterward and um just kind of continued in that anger at God. I wasn't afraid, but I was anger, angered and I that's probably based in fear too, right? So, um Nothing changed, but on Tuesday morning as I was driving into work, the Lord said to me, Tracy, it's not the end of the world. Like, oh yeah, duh, you're right. You know, and, and he said, I am providing for you, because it's like, God, you said you'd provide for me and you're not providing for me. And he said, just because you're in the negative balance in your checkbook doesn't mean that I'm not providing for you. And so there was a major change in my perspective at that point, and his peace just came right down on me. And I went into the negative balance, and I paid overdraft fees, and, you know, it's in the positive balance right now. And I, you know, that's God, because um, he brought in extra, extra money and my rental, and he, you know, just, it's, it's positive now. But I think, you know, just in my mind, I I believed that it was true, and I was mad because it didn't look like it was true. But the truth is, it was true, even though it didn't look like it. And I was sharing that with Shalise, and she said, Tracy, numbers don't define us. And just because I was negative, you know, I'm a responsible person, and I pay my bills, and I, you know, but just because I was in the negative balance didn't mean that that was defining me. It's good testimony, Tracy. Amen. Sure. When we were doing that, um, visualizing what God was going to do, what I saw was my uh, bill, and there was a stamp on it that said, paid in full, and then over here it said, surplus besides. Amen. Amen. And do you know that, that is all that's needed to pay that bill. People think that we need money. 
We need that. Because that brings money. Did you know that right there is what attracts money? What she just said is what causes money to come in the kingdom. That is the currency of the kingdom right there. Right there. Now, if she holds on to it, and I'll say this, whether she holds on to it or not will determine whether it comes. What was revealed to me is that I don't pay the bills in our household. So all of our bills get paid, but I have my own little personal bill that I don't even want my husband to know about that I'm not paying because I, because I don't make the kind of income to cover what I accrued in this particular bill. And the Lord showed me today, well, that I was just afraid to ask him for it. He has. Larry, my husband, has the money to cover this bill. I just didn't want to incur his disapproval or whatever and it's just all fear based and so I'm that was cool that the Lord showed me fear was exposed and I'm not doing that we are partners and we're in this together that's silly and the Lord just keeps bringing in so much work for my husband he can hardly keep up with it it's there so anyway it's cool that's a fruitful service this is a fruitful service. Who else has just something quick they want to share what God showed them or something? Ray? Uh, I just got a bill from clear from uh, Oklahoma that uh, was unemployment. They said, we paid you too much. $1,900 worth. Of, we paid you too much. And I said, that can't be right. Yeah, that's so, a so I'm just saying, this bill is paid in Jesus' name. That's right. Amen. Yeah. So, honestly, I'm just, this works in every area. It works with finances. It works with health. It works with, and you guys can pass the buckets if we haven't already. It works with every area. It works in every area. In every area. The fourth dimension works in every area. When you know the will of God, and the will of God for finances is very simple. Very simple. The will of God for finances is that you are, every need is supplied according to his riches and glory. That God may abound to every good, you know, may abound with all grace. Right? That's the will of God. Sometimes it's a little less straight because, you know, you might, it might be about who you're supposed to marry or something else. That's not quite as clear cut. But with money and health, easy. Easy. God's will is healing. God's will is prosperity. God's will is peace in relationships. I mean, some things are very simple. So don't make it harder than it is. Laugh at your bills. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let the voice of Goliath speak through those things. Um, yeah, I've got a testimony here. Uh, this is back. I did some reflection in my, uh, I got like what I call a legacy log, of where the Lord's been uh, faithful in my life and so forth. And uh, so it's like 2000 when I was laid off. From a job where I was working, and during like this six-month period, um, you know, I had been um, just to show God's faithfulness in finances. I mean, this is this is incredible. So um, let's see. Uh, uh, some monies from um, United Technologies were paid out that I didn't expect. Some pension stuff 
that just came right when I needed them. You know, like a thousand here, uh, a month later, a thousand there. Um, I went to New York City after 9-11. I just, I I wasn't working at the time, so I told unemployment, said I'm going to New York and I'll be out of town so I know I won't get unemployment and and so forth. And they're like, oh yeah, you want me to return, just get back on track. And and so (laughs) it was like days before I was to go, uh, I just made some phone calls to some friends and said, I'm going to New York and uh, I need this much money to make my expenses for the week I'll be gone. So I was doing relief work after uh, 9-11, uh, about a week after. And uh, and so when I came back, uh, people, that just money started coming in, and it came just like $10 more than what I needed for that week to cover my expenses. Uh, I went in, or I had a wart growing on my face. Normally it would have been $250. So this is all in about a six-month period. And then I'll, I'll tell you what this all adds up to. It's incredible. Uh, he, he just said, you know, I, I told my situation, so I'm not working. I don't know how I pay this. And he said, well, he reduced it to a $57 charge. Uh, right when I needed some money, uh, a friend of mine, his mother had a stroke, was unable to clean the house. And he, he's a very, um, very given person. He's like, come clean the house. Come on over. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Clean my, clean the house for a mile. Uh, this guy, uh, I went to, the Lord, the way he orchestrates things is just incredible. I went to Tanzania, October 99, on a prayer journey for three weeks. And uh, actually, the guy I went with, um, one of our team, uh, towards the end, it was just him and I. The rest of the team had left. And uh, we ended up you know, in London on the way back. And, and all these expenses, which he couldn't pay for. And, and I was just covered with my MasterCard. We come back, and I just said, after a while, I knew I had angered my heart towards him for putting all that on me. You know, I'm like, you should have been responsible. I have the money. I'm thinking in my heart. I, I just let it go. I gave him a phone call. I said, those hundreds of dollars you owe me, forget it. I knew he was in a bad uh, financial situation. He had foreclosed on his house, was just going through divorce and so forth. So <laughs> this money that came into an account for him, this is years later. He signed it. I, I received the check out in, in the mail that he signed over to me, which someone had given him towards uh, that trip, but it came in late before we left for the trip. And this is years later. This is boom, boom, boom. And so uh, so another couple of things. A guy gave me, uh, I was in need of a computer. He gave me one. I was needing software. I found a deal where I got for 70 bucks. It was like originally 480 during the six-month period of between the money that was saved and was given to me was a total of $6,078. And so I just want to, I've been carrying this around with me for a while. I just want to encourage you with this. God's faithfulness is just incredible. When you are in need, that, that he'll just, he's faithful. Well, I, I, think, I think that what's so powerful about that that you shared, Michael, is the fact that you just tracked it. And the fact that you're putting yourself in remembrance of the victories that God has given and how he's been faithful. Because I think a lot of times we forget. We forget what God has already brought us through, you know. And it's helpful to remind ourselves of how God has provided and provided and provided and provided. Well, um, I just really feel like that the Lord is highlighting this in this house right now. That finances and freedom and the fourth dimension 
and seeing what he's saying and holding on to that no matter what it looks like. And because I, I, I'm believing, I'm believing, I mean, I, I'm being aggressive here. I'm believing for debt freedom this year for this house. It's already happened with the ministry. The ministry has already, it's already happened with the ministry. God told me going into this year, this is, this is the year. It's this year. And by the way, it doesn't matter how many times you've believed for it before. So that's just, that's, that's the going around the mountain where it's exhausting. But it doesn't matter how many times you've believed for it before. This is today. And let me say this. To the degree that you confront it will be the degree that you defeat it. To the degree that you confront it and quit denying it, to the degree that you de- confront this giant, will be the, and sometimes we're too weak to confront. You know, sometimes we go through seasons where, oh, I'm just exhausted, so God will give you mercy and grace through that. But you're not going to get in that way. Because you're going to have to take the giant down. You're going to have to be David. You're going to have to, you're going to be strong. You have to go up there and you're going to be like, who are you? That's like we said. And you're going to have to take the stone. You're going to pull it back. It's going to be God's supernatural power, but you're going to partner with that supernatural power through what you believe, and it's going to knock that dude out. It's going to knock that giant out, that giant of debt, that giant of lack, and you're going to be righteous because the righteousness is bold as a lion. Righteousness is bold. Righteousness goes up, and righteousness takes it. Righteousness says no. Righteousness does what is necessary. Righteousness gets right up in that giant's face and says, "Uh uh-uh, you don't intimidate me. Numbers, you don't intimidate me. And I'll tell you what, if the devil knows anything about Shalisa Menes, numbers do not intimidate her. I've been doing this a long time, like 15 years now. Well, really since my 20s. We're taking them down. Now, if it's any other giant, just the same way. That's just finances. I just know the Lord. That's why I had you stand up today. I wanted to see where is everybody. Are are we all behind here? Let's all stand up. Let's see where we are. Who needs to believe? Let's stand and pray for one another. If finances is a stronghold, let's believe together. Amen? Come on, Larry. Woo! Wow. So anyway, uh, so Cheryl and I, I had an idea. I had a patent. I took it to the market, blah, blah, blah. I had a crazy encounter with my partner who's bipolar it turned into really demonic and then it, it was well it, bipolar is demonic it's a bale spirit but it turned into something crazy it had to the whole thing had to die cheryl and i were like nope when it when it was in this dynamic i actually said to this person i just took the idea back from them that i had partnered with and i took ownership of it again and i gave it to the lord and i said the lord owns it again now and you have no You'll have no inheritance with it. And I saw the manifestation, and it was crazy. Anyway, so in, we've gone through this whole learning experience, experience for like four years, four and a half years. We died to this whole thing, you know. Um, I'm not going to get into all that because this is about the testimony of it all, but I wanted to lay that. So what's been happening in the past, I don't know, really about the past two or three months, Cheryl and I, we never, we, we let it go dormant. We gave it to the Lord. But we just have been walking in what God's had us in, where he's had us. And then for the, in the past two months, it's just like, wow. God says it's time. Um, 
Cheryl got a word that says the things that, that didn't work then work now. And we've been getting some words. She's getting a lot. She, the Lord speaks to her through numbers and stuff. So there's a lot of prophetic things that led up to this time. But now it is the time. And so what's happened, I was I walked down from work. I walked down to the lobby like three or four weeks ago, started talking to these two guys that are investors. And they were like, man, you know, this is what we do. We want to help you out with your idea. You just got to get. And actually, Nate, this is my first session with Nate. I actually shared some of this hurt and some of these things with him, and he was giving me a little bit of perspective. It was hard for me to take because I'd been through so much hurt in this. But what he said was actually dead on. And so God's brought, and I keep hearing that word in my ear, you know. Um, So anyway, um, so these these two guys just out of the clear. I haven't talked about this to anybody or anything for like two years, you know. It hasn't even been in my thoughts. I've just been going to work, doing our thing, coming to church and hearing the word and being encouraged and growing, knowing that one day, I mean, God's, he gave me this idea, right? He's not going to let it die. He's going to redeem it. That's who he is. So, wow. So these two investors came in the picture. They're excited. I, we, Cheryl and I, you have, to, you have to participate in the process. And so we went down to the springs, participated in the process of what God's doing, but we're believing the whole time, God, you're in control. You're going to do this thing. You're going to blow it wide open. You know, you gave me the idea. Whether it happens or not, it's totally, it's just, we give it to you. It's yours, you know. We're always believing of the, the, the prophecies that have come previous, which you never know exactly how it's going to work out. God said, Go to the springs, went to the springs, we had a meeting with these guys. They're excited. They're wanting to throw money at it. And then, so the next step, we go to a lawyer, you know, and like the things that we argued in arbitration and mediation and all these courts and spent thousands of dollars on, it's like time has a way of healing things, you know, and like allowing things to happen. It's like God's been growing us and giving it time and growing us. It's, it's matured. It's, it's a fruit that we're fixing to pluck off our tree that God's given us. It's amazing, though. It's amazing how it's come to fruition and how when the when God says it's time, the momentum of everything and the things fall into place, the things we've worried about and the things that you fear, you know, you start trying to figure. It's, it's vain imaginations. Of, of it's, not what, it's not what, you know, you have to relinquish those vain imaginations of what could happen, what might happen, how I'm going to handle this, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to make this work. You have to relinquish that into a place and a base and trust and belief that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. And whatever he does is perfect for your life anyway. That's where, you know, he's, ta- he's, he's a perfect father. He's going to lead you. He's going to, he's going to bless you. But the, the thing he's waiting on us is to get into a place of trust and a place to, to, to believe and a place to say, Papa, no matter what, I trust you. I know you're going to bless me. I know you love me. I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to prosper me because that's your will for my life. And then all of a sudden these things start developing and you're starting to, we're starting to see like, wow, the favor of God in every aspect of everything concerning this thing. So he, God's bringing it back. He's given us victory. He says, he told me uh, two weeks ago, he said, you, you have crossed over the Jordan. You're now, you are in the promised land. And I was like, well, but I, he goes, and so that came to me when I was trying to figure out how I'm going to handle the, the, uh, my battle. Because there's a battle coming that's in this blessing. But God said, what happened with the Israelites? They I mean, they, when they crossed over, they were afraid of what they saw. But I gave them victory in every battle they fought because I gave them the land. So I brought them over. 
yeah, there are battles, but there's victory in every one of those battles. I've given you the victory already. I've given you the, the map, the word to show you how, how it's going to turn out. And we're just, I'm just want I just give God praise because it's phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal. I'm not, I can't go any further at this point, but I know in the next, you said by the end of this year, and that's why I wanted to come up because I just want to proclaim it. And that within this year, but before this year is over, um, this is going to be a, well, I'm going to be a millionaire. A multi-millionaire in Jesus' name. And I know that it's not, it's just, I know that's what God's going to do with it. And it's, it's a done deal. So we're going to walk it out. And I just want to give you all like a prelude. Because one day I'm going to come up here and like go, yo, this is what exactly happened. And I'll ask for a Sunday or something because I want to explain explain it all. But it's amazing. And it's just, God said, trust me, believe. Your job is to believe, Larry. And I'm going to work everything out. I'm going to win. You're going to win all your battles. You're going to have complete victory. Just Walk it out. Trust me. Believe. And you're going to see it happen. So I just want to give God praise in that. Thanks for your time. We agree, Larry. And we say, you're blessed. We call you, let's just start calling him Millionaire Larry. All right, Millionaire Larry. We agree. Can you guys see it? Millionaire Larry. All right. Well, Father, we thank you. We know we ran over today. But I thank you for what you're doing in people's hearts. I thank you what you're doing in people's pocketbooks. I thank you for what you're doing uh, in taking us in to the promised land. I thank you that we are experiencing the victory. I thank you that we are experiencing, ah, wow, your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that we can see things clearly even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of the, the dust and the storms or whatever's coming up, God, we can still see the victory. We can see the, 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 the giant falling down, God. We can see ourselves, Father, as the, the victor, God. And so we just say, yes, amen. And we thank you for all of the supernatural things that are going to happen this week, that, that this, this is a week of victory, that this is a week of supernatural um, deliverance, God. That this is a week, Father, where we're going to see the hand of the Lord move. Whoa. And I just thank you for that right now in advance, God. And I just feel the Lord is saying, quit second-guessing yourself. The Lord told me this. He said, there's only one thing you can't afford, and that's doubt. There's only one thing you can't afford, and that's doubt. Because doubt will steal. So, Father, we just thank you that that's the only thing we can't afford. Everything else, you're paying for. In Jesus' name we pray. Awesome. Amen, you guys.